Hope you're feeling great. And we're going to try and help you out with some solutions for any problems you have with your pet. Have you ever thought about boarding your pet? Let's find out some more details. Cheryl is with us and a special guest joining us, Cheryl. Thank you. Are you there, Brett? Yes, how are you going? Oh, very well. Well, it's that time of the year when many people are planning their holidays and they need to make sure they've got their arrangements for their pets. With you um, owning a boarding uh, facility, what should pet owners look for when they're selecting? Look, there's a lot of um, exceptionally good operators out there in the, in the market um, and there's some uh, traps for potential um, people going away. And I think the main thing that you should find from a good boarding kennel operator is their openness, um, their willing to, uh, willingness to let you look through the facility um, I, I personally don't like it when um, you're sort of regulated when you can visit a facility um, and people should be not too scared to ask questions about their operator, you know, um, about their potential person who's going to be caring for their pet while they're away, you know. Yeah. Um, the continued um, feeding regime is very important because uh, pets do suffer from stress um, and you may find that, you know, your cat or your dog may not eat for the first day or so in boarding. That can be quite normal. Um, but trying to, to stick pretty much to the same diet can be a great help for people as well uh, to eliminate those stressors for, for dogs and cats in boarding. So do you get people to bring their own dog food or cat food in with yeah, them when we, they're boarding? We do it at, we do at our facility. Um, and, look, all, a lot of operators are different. Some operators charge extra for that service. Um, we, we don't. Um, we um, we uh, feed an upmarket quality food, but we don't um, we don't um, sort of discourage people from doing that if, if that's what they prefer. Um, we stock a lot of different varieties. There's lots of cats have um, you know there's hairball urinary tract type issues which are common in cats, um, and a lot of dogs now are suffering from allergies to beef and those sorts of things. Um, so yeah, so. The sudden change in a diet can be very detrimental to them in boarding. So, yes. yeah. When somebody's coming in to look at a facility, what, what sort of things should they be looking at? What suggestions can you make to them? Look, I, I say to people that, um, that they, should be never, they should never feel pressured to actually be booking at a facility. Um, I always like to, in our cattery in particular, it's light and airy. Um, you don't want to see any smell. Um, you know, you want to see nice, clean water. In, in the water bowls, I mean, we only use stainless steel here, for example, stainless steel food bowls and water bowls. Um, you want to make sure that the, the room for the dog or the cat is light and airy. Um, dogs need a, a trampoline bed to get them up off the ground. Um, a good cat facility should have multiple layers inside the cattery um, because cats um, have a, a, a... They like an environment that's stimulating to them. They like places to hide down low. They like to get up high um yeah so and especially in winter you know we put little blankets on all our little dog beds as well um so yeah you want to try and make them as comfortable as possible and if you see all those signs in uh, a potential boarding kennel you know that there's a lot of love and care there yeah now some pets have special needs some pets are very anxious some are aggressive um do you have a, a screening process to evaluate these pets so that they're not put at any risk yeah and again it, it'll um differ from one operator to the next um we have a policy here that um we don't take certain dogs um and all your um um sort of Good regulated facilities won't take any banned uh, dogs on the on the banned register. Um, but if we can't handle the dog at at reception, uh, we tend to knock that dog back. Right. But if it's a new customer, um, we say to people, and and again, 
you know, don't be scared to ask, you know, your potential boarding kennel operator, look, I'm unsure about my dog, can I bring my dog in? Um, some operators will allow you to do that. So we allow people to bring the dog in, we assess the temperament of the dog, um, and, yeah, sometimes you've just got to be a bit careful that um, a scared dog is potentially only scared because it's a bit anxious in a new environment, you know? Yes. And yeah. to, to take the stress out of boarding, it's important to take into account the um, pet's emotional well-being as well as um, its physical health. How do you do this when they're staying with you? Um, a, a stimulating environment, uh, as I said before, for the cats. With dogs, uh, we have lots of rope toys. Um, we have huge exercise yards. Um, so you want to look at all those facilities when you're taking um, your pets to boarding facilities to make sure they're not locked in. Um, a lot of little dogs um, in particular um, will miss the attention of their owner because a lot of them live inside these days. Um, so giving your, your dog a lot of attention whilst it's in boarding and your cat um, can often alleviate those signs of stress because they just like to be with people. Yeah. Know? And if you've got family dogs, do you house them together or what happens with um, yeah, multiple we, dogs? Yeah, we house um, family dogs together. We don't hear, um, and again, this is another uh, tip for people, if you want your dog socialised, um, I always say to people, we don't do it here, but some operators do, and I think it's a bad practice to get into. If you've got two dogs from the one family, you can't socialise them with another dog or another two dogs we find that they're already a pack by themselves and they've already identified the pecking order in life. So therefore, introducing them to another one dog or another two dogs can be detrimental um, to all of the dogs and, and it's, not, it's not good for them. Mm -hmm. So you should always house dogs from the same family together. There may be some peculiarities where maybe you've got to separate them for feeding, that one dog will eat its food quicker um, you know, you'll have Labradors, I call them vacuum cleaners because they will just devour everything quickly. Um, so we use little tricks like um, um, muffin tins are a good one for, for Labradors and, and those dogs that eat their food quickly. And maybe lock one inside and one outside just for feeding. Yes. Um, and that way then you can regulate that each dog's got the correct quantity of food as well. And there's many forms now of um, care being offered. Uh, are there any alarm bells, anything that we should avoid when we're looking to um, place our pets? Look, I always say to people, um, one good thing can be to see if they're a, a pet industry association member, a PIAA member is a, is a good one. Um, and you can go onto the PIAA website. Um, and some people, look, in this era of social media, you can always go online. There's um, petstayadvisor.com. .au, that's another good one, but there's various avenues for people to, to do research and, and sometimes Facebook can, you know, people like to share their experiences with all sorts of businesses today on Facebook. You know? That's right. Well, thank you, Brett. This um, chat's been really good for pet owners who um, obviously can look into selecting a facility um, and knowing that their pets are going to be safe and cared for well while they're away on holidays. Yes, we all, we all love our little uh, furry ones. So, yeah, yeah, no, it's a very important time of the year to people just to be aware. Yes, so thank you. Thank you for your time. What does it cost pets? They're expensive, aren't they? Well, I guess it all depends. You own, Relative. You own a car and, you know, they cost uh, money for you as they well do. and you have hobbies and so on. So I think the more important thing is just to realise that when you do get a pet, there are costs that come along with that, just like anything in life. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got to feed your kids, apparently, so you better feed your dog. They're expensive. Oh, let's not go down there. <laughs> kids, <laughs> kids, kids are a great investment. So pets uh, can be expensive too. Yes.
Um, so uh, first thing is when you're looking at getting a pet, I think just recognizing that in the first 12 months, it's going to be more expensive than it will be subsequently. And, uh, you know, there's figures out which say, let's just have a look here. So a dog might live, say, 15 to 20 years and cats probably closer to yeah. um, 15 years, uh, 20 years anyway. But for a dog, it ne- it initially, um, and this is f- uh, from some data called the Family Pooch Index. Okay, so it must be pretty accurate. Depending where you get your pet. Now, if you go to a shelter, um, you're probably going to get a subsidised cost that when you purchase that pet, it's already coming with vaccination, microchipping, desexing, heartworm prevention. And when you actually calculate that in, you're basically getting a subsidised pet, right? But, of course, some of us go out and buy pets separately, whether it's at a pet shop or from breeders or whatever, and you're paying for the purchase of the pet. In some cases, that could be up to you know, tens of thousands of dollars. Um, some people will spend that amount. You've then got to make sure that they're um, desexed, as I said, vaccinated, microchipped, and then registered with your council. Um, and so currently we have lifetime registration. So it's a one-off fee, but at least, you know, you've got to make sure that's done. You've also got to make sure that uh, you've got somewhere for them to sleep, um, somewhere for them to be at home, whether it's inside or They've got their own bedding. Mm. If they're outside with kennels, maybe you have to repair fences. Maybe you have to redesign your backyard. These are all things you want to make sure you've got that in place before you bring the dog home. Uh, Otherwise, you could find, you know, they get out on the street and they get injured or they uh, get into scuffles with other dogs, etc. And so that could cost you a lot more. Um, They've got to have food bowls and so on. By jinky, you can get some pretty snazzy-looking bowls these days. Mm. You know, ceramic, hand-painted, and who doesn't love a, a water bowl with a cat's face on the bottom of it? Dr. Bob says a bucket's okay. He's a wise man. With a brick, wise, brick in the bottom of the bucket. He's a wise man, Dr. Bob. You've also got to look at if you, some of the breeds that you could get for your dog, for instance, they need regular grooming. So is that something that you've got the time to put into mm. and train yourself to do? Or is it something that you're going to go to a professional and make sure they get looked after properly? Because looking after their skin and their coat is a critical part of maintaining general health. Now, also, puppy training. Don't forget, you've also got to make sure... Is it expensive? Well, it depends how far you go. The good thing about puppy training is that if you start off with puppy preschool, you can do that. You get a little bit of basics. A lot of people love it. They love spending their time with their pet. And they'll go on and do things like agility and obedience through the dog clubs and so on. And that's a great way to spend time with your pet and train them so that they're well-behaved around people, well-behaved around other dogs on the street, etc. So, you know, in the first year, you could be spending, say, two dollars to $5,000 just to get yourself set up, just for all that health stuff, registration and so on. Um, and then you have to be prepared that from there on, you're going to be spending probably, um, including food, remember, around about for a dog, around $900 a year. Okay, so they sure they got their vaccinations and so on, but actually it's the food, and you know if you ever go to a pet shop and you think, oh, I'll just pick up some food, I always find, uh, and I'm doing this as well as well. We've got to get a treat for them or a toy or something, and I've got dogs that destroy toys, so mm. we're constant, yeah, and another one, buy another dog or another toy. And no, another you've got toy. to keep going back to get them. So of course that nine hundred dollars becomes a bit more. So how, how are some of the things that you can do to try and lower the costs? Um, one of the things is to, you might say, source your pet from a shelter. 
So you're, you're having a double effect there. You're actually providing some financial support for the shelter, but you're also, as I said, getting a subsidised pet, basically, straight away. And then the other thing is making sure they are desexed and registered. Uh, if they're desexed, they're less likely to um, escape and, and cause problems. They're less likely to get some of those health problems. Regular checkups at the vet to make sure that you've got proper food, nutrition, the um, worming control, parasite control. We know fleas and ticks we talk about all the time. Uh, you know, if you've got proper preventatives in place, it'll reduce the cost. And then also consider pet insurance. And a lot of people find that's you've very valuable. You've got to factor that in, yes. Yeah, and especially so... if it involves surgery. The, especially if uh, your pet needs some emergency surgery or some problem that needs surgery. Uh, and you, like all insurance, you can't do it after it's happened, right? That's called no. a... That's called a pre-existing condition. So you have to have to have your insurance in place before yeah. beforehand. So, you know, there's a lot of um, different uh, costs to consider just getting things set up and then over time. So tell me, you mentioned in the first year or so of having the dog, mm. it's very expensive. What about as they age, as they're getting older? Is it more expensive for I like to think dog? it's more valuable, Dave. Because as they're getting older, maybe they're starting to show some health issues? Well, that's right. And, you know, it's uh, you might find that you've got them on healthy setting for many, many years. But as they age, just like us, you probably find a few more things. So you might need to change their diet. You need to change their exercise. Uh, they don't look after their coat as well. So they might need more regular grooming or there's skin problems. Arthritis might be a problem. So does that mean you're going to take your dog to the beach more to get more water or go for a swim in a pool? Mm. Or does it mean that, um, you know, you need to modify their exercise? So there can be a lot of adjustments as as you go on. And, um, you know, we want people to spend time with their pet in a, you know, constructive and happy time and uh, keeping control of their health and keeping those things under control. It'll be better financially to act proactively and preventative uh, fashion rather than reacting to problems when they surface later on. Carrie, Carrie there. Hello, Barry. How are you? I'm not too bad, mate. Is it warm there? It's bloody hot. Yeah. <laughs> what do you got, about 27, I'd say? 27, 28? Uh, just going 28 and a half. There you go. It is warm in Curry Curry. What yeah. would you like to talk to our vet about? Uh, my dog. Right. He's a, a spoiled little crossbreed. He's hip to uh, one of them cavalier things. What's yeah. his name? What's his name? Yeah. Cuddles. <laughs> I wonder why he's spoiled. <laughs> yeah. He, he sleeps in my double bed. Right. He eats what I eat. Right. He doesn't mind a bit of chicken every now and then, like chicken necks and stuff like that. Oh, you got to look after him. He's desexed. He's had all his vaccines and everything. And how do, how do you know he's happy and contented? What does he do? What does he show you? He lets me know when he's hungry. Yeah. He lets me know when he's thirsty. Yeah. And he loves playing with the cat. Oh. They have fights together. Yeah. He always loses, but... Well, yeah. That's yeah. the way it goes. Don't take on the cat. No. <laughs> he sounds he sounds like he's in a good place with you, Barry. I think he's oh, uh, yeah. he's landed the gold mine there. Yeah, on my own. Uh, it sounds great. I think uh, you're obviously doing the right thing, looking after him well. And well, I've had him eight years now. Oh well, plenty more. Plenty, oh, more. plenty more to go. Yeah. Whether and, I will or not, another thing. 
Well, as long as, long as he keeps you happy as well, that's the main I don't thing. That's the main thing, buddy. Good on you. Okay, mate. Thanks for the call, Barry. Thanks, mate. Good yeah. on, Barry. Thank you very much. From Raymond Terrace, Daphne's with me. I'm worried about you, Daphne. You've got weird-shaped legs. Oh, Daphne. Not, not me. Oh, <laughs> not you. Goat. Sure. Not me, thank you. Now, I rescued a goat this morning, yeah. and her legs just don't look right. She's got a, a kid that's two weeks old. Apparently, there were twins, lost one, and the lady that I rescued off tells me that the goat got bashed by the rest of the herd, right. and um, she was just going to put it down. But, um, yeah, I was just wondering, could there be a disease, or is it really just likely that it's damaged? So how old is this little one? The goat, the mum goat with the weird leg, is right. probably about three years old. Oh, the okay. La- the, the kid is only a few weeks old. Oh, I see. Okay. So the weird legs, are front legs or back legs? And are they bent, are they? Yeah, they're sort of straight east to the knee and then they go out like an X. Okay. There are a couple of conditions in goats. There's, um, and, and I'm, look, I'm reaching back into my history of, I have done some goat work, but it's back in the 90s. Um, so it's been a while, but we did used to see some goats. There is a disease they can get which causes arthritis. And um, it's pretty nasty. I have seen this condition before. The other thing with goats is um, they can also get nutritional disorders, which can show up as um, uh, contracted tendons or flexion mm-hmm. in the legs. And sometimes that could also be an issue. Um, okay. You know, it probably it it's probably something that's been there for a while, and that yeah. this goat's grown with. And there may not be too much you can do. But um, I would certainly be looking at the joints and just feeling the joints and moving them. And if there's any pain, heat, or swelling associated yep. with the joints, so, you know, like the wrist joint, the elbow joint, and in the back legs, the knees and the ankle or hock, just have a feel and make sure that there's no swelling, pain, or heat in those areas. If there is, then we may be a little bit worried about something like arthritis. Um, like an infectious arthritis. I'm not talking about yeah. osteoarthritis. I'm talking about infectious. And those conditions, obviously, then we've got a painful condition. We need to treat that. But um, otherwise, it's probably uh, something that's been there for a long time, and it may well have uh, the goats just live with it for that period of time. So just have a check yourself. And if you're not sure, then certainly um, you know, give your local vet a call. I'm sure they, most people accommodate goats because we find, even if you don't, you know, see lots of horses and cows and that sort of thing out on the road. Um, you goats are easy to get into the clinic and have a look as well. So try that out. All right, and we continue with calls four nine two one six two one six at Limeburners Creek. Hello, Mick. How you go, mate? What's going on, Mick? Uh, I got a border collie that uh, got hit by a car a couple of months ago. Oh. One, one leg um, is um, when he walks, uh, the toe. Bends underneath when he stands. Is it front leg or back leg? The back leg. Right. And um, they, I, when I took in the sashes, they told him that, that I had to keep the leg out, to keep the toe out. Oh. And I was just wondering if there's, if there's anything um, around that I could um, use for that, apart from maybe a, a splint or something? Um, when we see them walking and a toe's folding under, it tells us that the nerves aren't wor- working properly. And a lot of um, times following a car accident, I've seen this a few times, it often happens in the front legs 
to do with the um, the way that the front leg attaches to the body, it can be that the, the nerves get stretched very easily. But we do see it in the back leg and uh, as well, like you've described. Um, the only thing I can think of is that you can actually get a little boot, like a, um, a leather boot that you can put on their feet. And that, okay. that can often protect them because if they're not picking their tire properly, what will happen is he's not feeling it. And so he's constantly standing on top of that toe, meaning... Um, yes, you know, just like a knuckle. Yeah, and what will happen is he'll uh, scrape the skin and eventually go through to the bone. So you really need to probably try a boot um, would be one thing. The other thing might be is there are some um, physiotherapy and rehab techniques that can um, be used to okay. generate better nerve function. So it might be worth looking into that. And there's probably your vet can advise you. Um, there are some services available where you can actually you know, get your pet into a physio program, and that might be an avenue to try and help things along as well. I have got him on the... Um, I take him down to Gosford at the um, Aqua um, treadmill. Oh, OK, yep. Is, is there one around Newcastle I could take him? Um, you know? I'm not sure. I haven't heard of one, but there are... Um, you can get uh, pools that he can swim in um, yeah. and do some exercise in. Um the aqua treadmills are a little more specialised, but um, there are some other avenues you might be able to look into locally. And um, if you speak to your vet, just ask them if they want to um, find a, a place that you can go to locally. And I'm sure a few phone calls will probably sort something out for you. And we have a pet rescue animal of the week. I like this one because it's Betty. And Betty's actually got a bit of age on her, hasn't she? Betty has. She's a beautiful 13-year-old fox terrier with an enormous heart. She's a lovely, affectionate girl who loves adults and children alike. She's obedient and responds to her name and direction. Betty is house-trained and uses a doggy door. She absolutely loves human companion. She looks smart in she the does. photo, doesn't Look, she? She's got gorgeous eyes. She's so happy sitting next to her owners on the lounge on her doggy bed, so be prepared. She's going to be inside with you. Betty's relaxed um, in play and she loves short walks and she's a pleasure to walk. She doesn't pull on the lead, so that's ideal. She would be best to go to a home with a senior person who's got lots of affection to give and cuddles and love, and she would suit being an only pet. If you want to look at Betty or you want more information, you can contact her foster carer, Beck, on 0415-698-4948, or you can go to view um, her profile on www.dogrescuenewcastle.com.au. Fees do apply, or you can go to 2NURFM's website and check her out. Have a look at the photo there, and you can read yeah. Betty's story. She's a smart-looking dog. I think she'd be... Uh... Well placed to go to someone's home. They they love her. Maybe as you say, and a senior person would yeah. really enjoy having Betty. Yeah, she give them lots of love. Before I move on from you, just a, a last minute comment, if I could, about your topic today, which was boarding your pets. Anything yes. you wanted to add to that? Look, I think it's really important to check out any facility. You know, you want to be happy when you go on holidays, knowing that your pet is also happy. Yeah. So a good idea to check. Peace them of out. mind. Peace yeah. of mind. You yeah. want to go away knowing the dog's cared for. Yeah, nice cleanliness. It's a nice, clean place and yeah, that you know, yeah, good environment. Yeah. I've seen some places have um, cameras. Yeah, the webcams. Webcams, and you can and you actually, can check on them. You can check That's in great. on your dog. So you go on holidays and then spend all day checking on your dog. 
Yeah, that's great news. Yeah. Yeah, be able to <laughs> just have a little look and see if they're enjoying themselves too. Yeah. yeah, and you know, this weekend at Dog Overboard, we're going to be having um, the RSPCA Santa Paws will be there. So if anyone's oh. wanting to have their family photo... Get a family pic with, with Santa. With their dog or cattle, bird or snake or whatever. And the following weekend, the RSPCA will be doing it at their shelter at Rutherford. Okay, very good. Now, one last, uh, only about two minutes to go, but your topic today, which is a very interesting one, the, the costing of pets... Yeah, so we talked about dogs, and I know that we've got a lot of cat lovers and cat owners. Cats are a little bit less, um, but, uh, you know, I find also with cats that you buy food from them and then they don't want to eat it, yeah. so you've got to buy more food. Wastage. Yeah, so they're a little bit more picky at times. Yeah. But high, um, high maintenance. <laughs> we love cats, Dave. They, but they give so much back. I don't That's know the main, they, they give so much back. That's the main thing. The other thing is that if you want more information about this topic, and it's very interesting on the government uh, website at uh, moneysmart.gov.au, you can go on there and it's got a whole section about costs of owning pets and including all this data from the uh, Family Pooch Index. Okay. Very yeah, good. Don't take my word for it. No. Take the government's word for it. Um, just one last thing I'd like to say. Any dog shows this week that we know of? Dave, we had a big one last week. was last week. I'm on the you off missed week. It. Yes. See, I missed last week's show. Yeah. I wasn't here. Colin yeah. did it, so I'm trying to catch up. Thank you so much for today, you two. No worries. You're Thanks, with Dave. us again, I think, next week, aren't you, Dr. David? I believe so, yes. Yeah, very good. Coming back. I'll look forward to that. Highlight of my week. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Our vet, Dr. David Tabret. Thank you, Cheryl Shaw. <laughs> my pleasure. Yeah, that's what we call Pet Chat here at 2NURFM. It is your station where we have got the two tickets to paradise. Stay listening because Greg Richard's coming along after the uh, Hunter News at 1 o'clock this afternoon. Maybe... He'll be picking up the phone and calling you. If you've registered your details, keep that phone charged up and close at hand. Maybe you're the one who's going to be taking out that wonderful competition we have as we ring for Rio at 2 in your FM. Weather update for our sponsor, Snap Freeze Air Conditioning. Remaining beautiful, mostly sunny today. Still nice, around 24 degrees at Beresfield. And the latest news from the Hunter Newsroom, it's coming up at 1 o'clock here at 2 in your FM, 103.7. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2 in your FM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.